Dear Wai Ling, you went abroad after graduating from the university, but you have always kept a very close tab on Hong Kong's progress over the past four decades. Together, we witnessed the development of our city from a manufacturing hub into an international financial center, from a British colony to a special administrative region of China, and from a place where there are only elections at the district level to full elections at the Legislative Council. Today, we are discussing the possibility of returning the Chief Executive, the equivalent of the pre-1997 Governor, by universal franchise in 2017. This should be good news for people in Hong Kong. But there are uncertainties. The pan-democrats, who hold slightly more than one-third of the seats in our Legislative Council, oppose the decision of the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress that outlined the framework for the election of the Chief Executive. The government, after conducting a second consultation exercise, will fill up the gaps and submit the final proposal on the election method of the CE sometime next year to the Legislative Council. Two-third majority is required for the proposal to be passed. So if the pan-democrats persist in their present stance, the proposal will be voted down. Then the next chief executive will be nominated and voted in by the election committee as it was done in 2012. The people of Hong Kong will not be able to participate in choosing the chief executive in 2017. I very much hope to see Hong Kong people being able to cast a vote and choose the leader we prefer. I can understand the pan-democrats' disappointment and anger. The framework decided by the Standing Committee requires a candidate for the post of CE to receive over half of the support of the nomination committee whose size and composition is similar to the election committee of 2012. The basic law requires that the nomination committee makes its nomination through a democratic process. So the likely process is a vote will be taken, and those who pass the 50% mark can become a candidate. In the 2012 election committee, the pan-democrats commands some 20 to 25% of the seats out of a total of 12,000. With the over 50% requirement, it is unlikely that they can field a candidate. In order to ensure that there is a pan-democrat candidate, the pan-democrat camp have suggested citizen nomination. That is, anyone who collected a certain number of nominations from registered voters can become a candidate. They also suggested political party nominations. These suggestions are hardly in line with the basic law and the 2007 decision of the Standing Committee regarding universal franchise for the chief executive. The only body, according to law, that has the responsibility and power to nominate candidates for universal franchise is the Nominations Committee. Despite being repeatedly told that any other ways are not compatible with the law, 
the pan-democrat camp insisted that their suggestions are right for many months. They modified their stance on August 20th, which is about less than a week before the actual meeting of the Standing Committee, to demand that the election method must be in line with international standard and no unreasonable restraint should be applied. Valuable time for dialogue and negotiation was wasted. Valuable opportunity for dialogue were also thrown away in preference of political show and self-preservation. The rejection of the invitation from the liaison office to dinner and to the spring festival cocktail, the political show before and during the Shanghai meeting with the Chinese officials, the refusal to meet with the head of the liaison office on an individual basis, just to name a few. Is it possible that the 10 Democrats do not realize that mutual respect is the necessary basis for any negotiation? While all these public posturing were going on, Occupying Central was used as a means to threaten and force the central authorities to accede to the demands of the pan-democrats. For us who have experienced the Sino-British negotiation on the future of Hong Kong, which is well documented in public record, we find it difficult to understand why the 10 pan-democrats do not appreciate that mega phone diplomacy does not work with China. Occupying Central aims to paralyze the financial district of Hong Kong, thereby forcing Beijing to change its stance. Now that this has failed, the promoters decided to continue on with Occupying Central anyway. And it was reported that Mr. Tai, the promoter of this movement, intends to carry on with this for five to ten years, and the aim is to force the Hong Kong government to alter the framework of the chief executive's election to fit with their wishes. Is Mr. Tai's objective realistically possible? Who will pay the price for such action? Who will gain benefit from the prolongation of occupying Central? Wailing, Hong Kong is at a crossroad. If we make the right decision this time, we may elect our next chief executive by our votes. And from there onwards, we may improve and develop our political system further in line with the actual situation of our community. If we continue to fight among ourselves, as we have done in the past 16 years, we may find ourselves lagging behind all other Asian cities. We may be faced with a Hong Kong filled with negative sentiments. Our normal routine may be disrupted by wildcat demonstrations. Investors may avoid Hong Kong. Tourists may choose other destinations. Our right to live and work in Hong Kong may be compromised. People may lose hope and leave. No, that is not the Hong Kong we want.
we must try to counteract these destructive forces. Who can save us from this predicament? Who can persuade some of the pan-democrats to refrain from playing a negative role? I believe only the wisdom and pragmatism of Hong Kong people can turn the tide. All of us in politics claim that we are serving the people. All the social activists believe that their efforts are making the community a better place to live in. If that is true, then we must listen to the voices of the people and abide by their wishes. In the months to come, I hope the people of Hong Kong will respond to public opinion surveys, radio and television interviews, and also speak their minds on the internet. We can no longer afford to watch while people lacking in wisdom takes Hong Kong to a coup d'etat. We have to stand up and be counted if we want our home preserved and prosperous. <laughs>